the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Thursday, May 6, 2021, as we head into our ultimate hour here. It's great to do so with my main man, John Gabriel, editor-in-chief of Ricochet and columnist for the Arizona Republic, among other things, including King of Stuff. Hey, John. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic year. You wrote at Ricochet on the uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, what do we? What, what should we call this? Contretemps? Uh, in re Liz Cheney? If we were Commentary Magazine, maybe <laughs> in uh, re Liz Cheney. So. Yes and no to Liz Cheney. How <laughs> <laughs> would Commentary do this? Um, and you write, John. Um, time to file for divorce. Talk to us. Yeah, it uh, really is, and. It was one of those things. What she did is she joined with people to vote to impeach Trump after the January 6th um, Capitol Hill incident. And uh, she was her leadership was threatened at the time. There was a secret vote. She didn't back down, and they're like, okay, you can stay because we can have some diversity in our party. Let's all move forward as one happy united family and take the fight to the Democrats. <clears throat> but instead, what she's done is... Every time she pops up on the news, she's complaining about Donald Trump and all those perfidious Republicans who like the fella. And she's unwilling to do her leading her leadership role. She's number three in the House leadership for Republicans, and she just won't do her job. All she wants to do is complain about how terrible Republicans are. And just the fact that I had to write an article about her was one less article I'm complaining about Joe Biden and the just very extreme progressive plans of the Democrats are forcing through Congress. And uh, that is not what a leader should be doing. She is a distraction, and she should be uh, tossed out on her ear, um, especially since any kind of polling you've seen in the past couple of months out of Wyoming is the, the constituents of Wyoming who are forgotten in all this, they're not being represented. They are very upset with her, and uh, I don't see how she even gets reelected. So Saving her leadership position is kind of a lost cause, since I, I just don't see her in Congress and after about a year and a half. You make a really good point, John Gabriel, that as much as she may be angling to keep a <clears throat> keep her leadership position in the House of Representatives, there's nothing guaranteeing, and indeed the winds now look like she won't even be in Congress in another two years. Her approval rating, according to your latest column, showed an approval of 29% in her party, right? which right. is uh, lousy as all get out. I would point out it is 10 points higher than Jeff Flake, but instructively, <laughs> Jeff Flake knew to get he couldn't win under those circumstances. By the way, it, there's it, something right. similar there, too, in a way. The difference, uh, Jeff got out. How did Winston Churchill? Winston Churchill said a fanatic is someone who won't change his mind and refuses to change the subject. That was Jeff Flake. That's Liz Cheney when it comes to Donald Trump. And exactly. Jeff knew he couldn't do it. Liz thinks she's going to do what? Make a national cause celeb of herself here? 
It seems like, and that's um, a lot of it is just being a horrible politician. If if she thought her job was to divide her own caucus, well, she'd be the right person. But uh, that's not on the uh, job requirements listed. You're actually supposed to unite people around you. And as a leader, when you're walking out by yourself, um, that also might have been a Winston Churchill yeah. quote. Yeah. If, uh <laughs> If you call yourself a leader, but you're walking yeah. alone through a forest, yeah. you're just, you know, you walk through the woods. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's what she's been doing. She isn't leading. All she's doing is dividing people and getting people to yell at her. Uh, she would do great for the stock character on CNN, where a quote-unquote Republican denounces Republicans every night of the week. Um, but outside of that... Yeah, yeah, that's I a good point. It's like putting the Lincoln Project in leadership. That's that's that that that's <laughs> right. effectively it's putting Rick Weaver in charge of the House Republican Congress uh, conference. That that's a fair point. But but something kind of interesting about all this too, John, is she survived. You pointed out she survived an earlier uh, leadership uh, durability vote by like one forty-five to sixty or something like that. I think it was a secret vote. Uh-huh. Now, that yeah. kind of was telling and instructive. Um, that was just what, uh, in was that in January? Is that three months ago? Already? Um, yeah, they yeah. held the vote in February. Okay, February. February so in February, she survives a leadership vote that's done by secret ballot. That's a little instructive, isn't it, that maybe she's not as unpopular in the House conference as we think? Or do you think things have changed so much? Or do you think that was a warning ticket and she decided – to drive well past 55 afterwards. Yeah, I, I think it was okay. a warning ticket that she got because, um, yes, I, I think a lot of people on the merits agree with her argument. But um, as I note in my piece, it's kind of like <clears throat> if uh, my beloved spouse got in a car accident and six months after it happened, all I did is bring it up and attack and complain. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that that's not a very good sign. Why don't we all move together and actually uh have this uh relationship grow a little bit instead of, you know, picking at the scab, pulling at old wounds, trying to find the issues that divide the She Republican. is the last person and, talking about it, quite frankly. Really? She Pretty really much. Is. And and it also too, it's just uh, a basic strategy thing. Does she think she can win an insult? contest with Donald Trump. She can't. Nobody, nobody can't. So she can personally dislike the guy, but uh, yeah, if she wants to stick it to him, probably just don't reply and uh, focus on doing your job, perhaps, instead of uh, quipping about how terrible the Republicans are. The only people I see praising her now on the Republican side are Mitt Romney and everybody else's, you know, Nancy Pelosi is praising her courage. CNN, New York Times, these are not the people you want on your side if you want to win re-election in Wyoming, you know, the reddest of the red states. You know, their Senate, the Wyoming Senate is 28 to 2 <laughs> GOP. I didn't know that. You know, you could, you could hire anybody and they would, you know, if you have an R after your name, you're getting in. It's not like she's... Let's you and I move to Wyoming and really be the king of stuff. Let's you and I move to Wyoming and run for... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we have ours behind our name, I think, in pretty good standing. <laughs> We're talking to John Gabriel, uh, editor-in-chief of Ricochet, columnist for the Arizona Republican. I forgot to mention, uh, sometime uh, guest host of this show. John, um, there's another aspect to this, because I'm in a wager that 
this vote does do her in. It'll happen and it'll do her in. That's my wager. I, I wouldn't bet a lot on it because I don't care enough about it. Or, or, that's not right. I'm not passionate enough about it. But I am worried about this a little bit because of how our team will handle it. If she does go, and I think, as I say, marginally, the smart money is she'll go. If she goes, you and I are going to, and you know, 10,000 others like us throughout this country, are with, see, not even this Republican Party is conservative enough for the Cheneys. You know that kind of thing is going right, to be coming right, at us. Right, definitely. Um, Today's Republican, it, you know, Republican Party is so extreme, you know. In, in, a, in a strange way, though, that might help because it would cut off Republicans uh, from the whole stain of, you know, 20 years later, we're still in Afghanistan, yep. uh, Iraq before that. Yep. And it really would just say, wow, this is a different party. And I think that could expand our outreach among all the working class communities around the country of all races who are, you know, who voted for Trump after voting for, you know, voting for Democrats their entire lives. They shifted to Trump. The other thing, too, is the news cycle changes so quickly. Mm -hmm. This is something that's why they should take care of this now, Mm -hmm. a year and a half from the midterm elections. Nobody's going to be talking about Liz Cheney or, yeah, or even remembering this whole contra attempt happened. So I I think just it's best just to kind of scuttle it, go out of there. You know, 90 percent of Americans have never even heard of her or know anything about the scandal. So uh, this would be the time to quietly go, okay, you're being demoted. Here's your gold watch, and uh, we'll see you later. It's a really good point, and it's such a good point that I, I don't think anyone here could tell me any of the past five, name me one of the past five conference chairs. Right. I don't know if I could do it. I can't. I can't do it. I think maybe that representative yeah, yeah. from Washington State was at one point. Uh, but uh-huh. that's the best I can do. That's pretty pathetic. Right. Yeah, but it's just not – it's not a super high-profile no. position. But no. still, it's leadership, and that's the thing. If if I get employed at uh, a car dealer and not, I'm not selling the units I need to move, they're going to be saying, you know what, John, this isn't working out. Why don't you know, – here's your two weeks' notice, and uh, we'll see you later. Better luck at your next career. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about this. It's not an emotional reaction. How dare she do this? It's just – Sorry, man, you're not doing your job. Time to go. You talked uh, a little bit about, you know, this could be a good thing in restructuring the concept of the Republican Party, where it goes and what it is. Uh, can I keep you another segment? You tell me a little bit sure. more about your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I'd love it. Thank you. John Gabriel is our guest. Ricochet.com. He's the editor-in-chief. He also writes for the Arizona Republic, and he guest hosts this slot too, because he is so good. I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's a bullfighting song that's appropriate for our guest, John Gabriel. He is a bullfighter, fights a lot of BS. He is the editor, <laughs> editor-in-chief at Ricochet, and he is a columnist for the Arizona uh, Republic, among other things. John, talking about the Liz Cheney stuff, um, you were saying, well, I, I was making the point that if she goes, and I think she probably will, but if she does, you know, we're going to be told again and again, see, this Republican Party is so far gone, it's too conservative for the Cheneys, throws the Cheneys out, or a Cheney out. 
Um, and you said you, – you made an interesting point. You said that in a way could be healthy for what, purposes of certain clarifications? How, how did you cast that, John? Yeah, I just think it could be helpful for um, – a, a lot of people still associate the GOP with the war in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And it would say, you know, hey, we're a different party. We're concerned with America. We're not concerned with nation-building around the world. And uh, it, it's a good – it's a good move for us to make, I think, uh, not only in not only in image, of course, but also in reality, that we're just not going to be getting in these foreign adventures over and over. Seems like uh, uh, public opinion in our party, in our movement, is strongly and quickly moving there <clears throat> in that direction. Good. And, um, and, and I, I just wonder, is there anything else – you think that's that different about the Republican Party today than 15 or 20 years ago? Is it overstated that it's a different Republican Party, or do you palpably feel that it is? <laughs> I think it's evolving. Uh, you still have a coalition, and I think we'll need a coalition going forward. But I, I think it is far more concerned with uh, personal autonomy and um, something that really caused a rift that I think still hasn't been appreciated is the government bailouts that George W. Bush did in 2008. And uh, a lot of people were really ticked off. It didn't make sense from this uh, common-sense conservatism to bail out the people who got us in the problem to begin with. And it really struck a lot of people wrong, and it also reinforced when Obama approved of those things. Uh, top-ranking Democrats and Republicans both agreed we really need to be focused on helping very wealthy people on Wall Street and have the American people pay for it. I, I think that made a break with both parties and saying, wait a minute here, is, is there any difference between the parties? And I think it's very important to uh, be willing to fight for the little guy. And I think the Republican Party is far more willing to do that these days. That emphasis is clearly there. You were speaking, and it made me think of a, a thought here. wonder what you think of it. Um, you always make me kind of think controversial things, John. Well, it's this. Americans, by and large, love their ex-presidents and certainly partisans within that presidency. Republicans tend to love ex-Republican presidents, Democrats the same, uh, although sometimes they find the need to distance themselves is um, also also present, like with Democrats and Jimmy Carter, let's say, um, or Republicans with Nixon. Uh, that not exactly invited to speak at subsequent conventions, right? But but right. by and large, people love their ex-presidents. And so I thought it was a bit telling over the last month, George W. Bush um, has been on these interview circuits to promote promoting his new book, has been, you know, sounding a lot like Liz Cheney, quite frankly. Any anything yeah, he, he really says does. on politics is not against Democrats; it's against Republicans and the party. And it hasn't made that big of a splash in Republican circles or amongst conservatives, from what I can tell. Left played it up, thinking this was you know good and instructive because Mount Olympus has spoken. But it almost sounds—I almost get the feeling. I wonder what you think. I almost get the feeling conservatives and Republicans are sh- shrug their shoulders. You know, who's he? Who cares? He's he's not right. us anymore either. Yeah, I think there's a big part of that, and uh, kind of he was, I think he's admired as a person, he's a decent person, George W. Bush, but uh, when 
you had Jeb Bush run. Uh, you had everybody from all wings of the party oppose him. He did not have a constituency because it's just like, look, we are tired of these uh, scions of <laughs> elite families. Elite yeah, we're not dynasties, and, right, right. Exactly. We're, we're just absolutely tired of it, and uh, we need some fresh leadership. We need some new leadership. And when people think of the future of the party, they think of people like Governor Ron DeSantis. They don't think of, hmm, is there a nephew in the Bush clan that we could pin all of our hopes on? Uh, we don't. We've kind of lost trust in this mid-century version of the best and the brightest, and you know, they're going to save us, and we're going to have these technocrats who will do the right things and go to the right parties and know the right people. Uh, we want people who come from the ground up and just roll up their sleeves and get things done. Wouldn't it be condign punishment to the Bushes if Ron DeSantis ran for presidency and won? And we could point out that a Republican, a Republican governor of Florida can win the presidency. All he has to do is like Donald Trump. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, John DeSantis, for sure, first and foremost, uh, no question, the top of my list at this point. Who else are you looking at in 2020 outside of? the debatable possibility of Donald Trump. Who else are you looking at as, as, as torch carriers? Yeah, um, it's he is really top of the list yep. because others have stumbled. Yep. Uh, Christy Nome yep. had a lot of buzz, yep. but she's, I yep. don't know if she has the fire in her belly. Yep. Um, and I think she gets uh, dragged a lot, um, but I think someone, she her record's good, but she's just very polite about it. Uh, Nikki Haley, I think people like this have room to get back into the game. But uh, they dealt themselves defeat by just seeming a little bit too accommodating yep. to the other side. Yep. And that's not what anybody wants right now. So I think they have plenty of time to restore themselves. Ted Cruz is another name. Um, he gets himself in trouble sometimes. But uh, they all have plenty of time to um, win back the party, I think. Yeah, you've you've probably mentioned uh, my favorites. There's a series of members of the House that I, I put up at that level, but not as possible running – May, uh, not as possibly running for president, just because that's such a rarity. H- has any House member ever run for president outside of J.Q. Adams and won? I don't think so. I don't believe so. Yeah, no. I don't think so. So no, it's not it the right perch, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not the right perch for that. Uh, but that having been said, um, the other name I would like to put in, in your A-list is Tom Cotton, although I think he might be too regional. Right, right. And he is very sharp. And, and he's also very shrewd. Yeah. Um, he doesn't – you see certain people like Ted Cruz just seem sometimes to just be flailing at the next – he, he, Yeah, oh, that's a oh, great point. There will be weeks where Tom Cotton is silent. That's a great right, point. Right. Yeah. And he just kind of he's – a, he's a military guy. He just calmly looks at the field, keep, keeps his powder dry until it's time to – break and then he makes a big impact uh-huh. so he seems like a very a very shrewd operator as well yeah i I, th- I think he's probably he and i mean i just think the intellectual capacity of desantis cruz and cotton is unsurpassable i mean there's a lot of brain power there and they're very and yet they're each very different but the interesting thing about desantis i gotta I, the interesting he has not stumbled you you said that I he he is going into areas, by the way, that no one asked him to. I'm glad he did, like critical race theory. And he's not stumbling. Yeah, yeah. It's really impressive. It's he's, impressive. He's very sure-sighted, yeah. and he's, you could tell he's just in touch with the base yep. as well. Yep. He doesn't 
it's not like he's getting ahead of them. No. They don't need to ask him to do something. No. He's just an instinctive conservative, and it's refreshing to see. You bet it is. You bet it is. Well, John Gabriel, you're always refreshing. God love you. You're a good friend, and I appreciate everything. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, Seth. Great to be on. We'll be in touch. 602-5089-60. Be right back. Love grows where my rosemary goes. Andy Biggs is going to take Mike Gallagher and me to the border. And then on on May 24th, on May 25th, we're going to meet with y'all and talk about the crisis at the border. Mike Gallagher, Andy Biggs, me, and you all. It'll be a great event. It's not just the border. It's not just the border. It's the border as a synecdoche, as, an, as, 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 a, as a representation, as an element of much of the desiderata of the progressive movement. It's um, – the, there are a couple ways – there are a couple ways to destroy a country. Of course, we've talked about a lot of them at the intellectual and academic and education level. Erasing its history, changing its history, teaching its children to hate hate their country. That's one way to do it, and that's a slow process. It can be met with a quicker accelerant if you also erase that country's sovereignty, if you also erase that country's ability to maintain its own borders. It is the natural condition of every country, not only to guard against national security threats and incursions, obviously, but also to maintain a social structure for itself, absent additional harms like crime, drugs, sex trafficking. They destroy communities and mass they destroy countries. It's about progressivism, the crisis at the border, and that's what Mike Gallagher and Andy Biggs and I are going to discuss on May 25th. For tickets, go to 960thepatriot.com. We'll be in Scottsdale. It'll be at a great event. 960thepatriot.com for the crisis at the border discussion. Hope to see you there. Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. How the heck are you? Just fine, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And um, another really wonderful show. Um, I, I wanted to put a few dates out to you and see if I can tie together uh, how, where we are today. And I think it's giving me hope because I have, you know, uh, as you can tell in my phone calls, I moved away from phil- conservative philosophy and so, you know, in the analysis of liberals about a year ago. Because I don't view them as the problem, I started to more or less harp on us and our lack of strength. Now, now you're our... a real Claremont conservative. The problem is not <laughs> the other side. Now, you know, yeah. now yeah. Doug, it only took you a year to get you there. Good for you. <laughs> well, that's true. That's but right. I wanted to Good say, for you. Let's look at a little history to analyze this. 1967, uh, Apollo, there was an Apollo mission on the launch pad. It burned three astronauts uh, to death right there. I was young and I saw it. And we killed, uh, you know, but within one month we were back up in space. 
And we did that to honor those that died. We showed strength and courage and focused on the vision. That was the American spirit at that time. Less than a, decade, less than a generation later, a, a challenger or a shuttle blew up in the 80s. And it killed the, the people on board, our astronauts on board. We were not back up in space in two years. We set up a numerous boards to analyze everything that was going on, and we were worried about everybody's, America's feelings, and we were, we were showing the decline towards liberalism within that generation. The difference between those two events was immense. One month back up in space with, with pride, and two years later with intrepidation. That was what occurred. And that, and we now look back to the 80s as a sign of strength compared to where we are today. All right, hold that thought. Hold that, hold that, hold it, hold that thought. Let me pick up with you on that on the other side of this break. Is that okay, Doug? Can I keep you a little longer? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, sir. Hold the thought. Don't lose it. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. If you're thinking about uh, going solar and getting rid of those utility bills that just go up and up and up, you want to do it with Solar Sandy. Solar Sandy's a good friend. She's also got a ton of integrity. Read the testimonials on her website at AskSolarSandy.com. She takes appointments in person or via Zoom. She's actually figured out how to zero out your power bill. And if you sign up with her, she will pay your power bills for the first year and your solar panel payments for one year, and you will receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. Go to AskSolarSandy.com and let her do all the work. Call 623-850-8229. That's 623-850-8229. Or go to AskSolarSandy.com. Do people just say things without... Any people talking without speaking. That's what Paul Simon said. I, I just saw the governor of New Mexico being asked, okay, so in D.C. you can't dance at weddings because COVID, e- even if masked and vaccinated, you can't dance at weddings because COVID, according to the mayor there, Muriel Bowser, dictates of the mayor, Muriel Bowser. So, 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 so they had the New Mexico governor on and asked her if they could dance in New Mexico, and she said, if you're masked and social distanced, sure, and vaccinated, yes. How do you social distance dance? No, really. What is it? Is, is there a movie that depicts something like this? Is it some kind of, who is the Dan Aykroyd character in Saturday Night Live with the big alien head? Did they dance like this? Yeah, the Coneheads. Doug, thank you for your patience, sir, and for putting up with the nonsense. Sorry about that. No, absolutely. I I love the nonsense and the banter. I, that's actually part of the joy of the show. Well, thank you, sir. How do you social but, distance dance? Can you do it? Can you be six feet away from someone and dance? Oh. <laughs> Doug, Doug, we have a really bad connection. Uh, bad connection, but go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Let's see if it works now. 
Okay. Um, I'd like to kind of just do a quick analysis of uh, how I think we from a center-right country to a center-left. And I do believe that we are on a road that will continue to the left unless, unless um, what I have begun to see continues and does so vigorously. I think we're at a point where we might almost be too little, too little too late, but I have a few signs of hope. <clears throat> because you see within a quick generation from 1967 uh, to the mid-'80s, with Apollo 1 and with the uh, space shuttle, uh, both astronauts, the response was moving dramatically towards feelings, self-loathing, uh, bureaucrats, committees, and times of analyzing. And it was already, and yet we already look back as to the 80s as a big time, it was already a decline from the 60s. And the reason I believe that it is it, it occurred and it will continue is that there was the left has a narrative it is proud of, and it pushes with every bit, and they do it all the way around. That is, say, if someone attacks someone on the left, everybody rallies. They they push in every aspect of our society, every aspect of um, policy, and they push things. They want six, eight, ten percent national growth of government and so then we think we're proud because and, and, and i want everybody to think what was the republican narrative if you take reagan out of the picture uh, what was the republican narrative it was virtually nil it was what then i want 10 percent less spending yeah right right it was about the margins it was about 10 percent less than the democrats want to spend yes. right yeah right we're losing you a little bit there, Doug. Losing you a little, but I think I accept your point. I'll, I'll let you stay on in case, it, uh, Bill. Will you just check on the line in a second? Um, I, uh, let me amplify the po- amplify the point as I understand it. Yes, and this is why when Goldwater ran in '64, or the encouragement to get him to run, uh, the book uh, by Phyllis Schlafly was titled "A Choice, Not an Echo." Um, these were. Uh, let's say in our in our lifetimes, or at least since World War II, the only three Republican um, candidates for president that challenged their house that did provide a choice and not an echo. I think it's fair to say were Goldwater, Reagan, and Trump. Um, I think that's fair to say, Doug. And is that where you were going? We're going to try it again. Go ahead, sir. Well, yes, Perfect. because I think. I think for 30 years we had, you can tell we had no narrative because of the, when a Republican did try to take a, t- a different tack and come up with a narrative, he stood, he stood alone. And that, that is to say Reagan was basically by himself. And when he left the Republican Party of Bush said that the era of, um, of Reagan was over. Uh, one thing with Dan Quayle made, brought up one issue, and he basically was annihilated, but no one stood with him. And we stood mute until va- basically we came up with Trump. But Trump basically stood alone as we cower in the corners. But what began to make me hope, hopeful, and, and it might be way too little too late, because, I, like I said, I fear my side and our cowardice 
that's how we lost the church, that many of our Christian churches have gone radical liberal because we sat quietly, prayed to God, while they believed in their vision and stood forward and changed our own church. As Prager said, the left has changed the church more than the church changed the left. But when I saw our Republican Party in Utah boo Romney off the stage, and I said, there's our Republicans beginning to grow a spine mm-hmm. and beginning to demand accountability. But it's only just beginning. Yep. And it's beginning to show with Cheney that uh, the old guard of uh, easily attacking the right, if that if Cheney would have that same vigor and if Bush would have that same vigor against the left, we'd have... That's the issue. That is the issue. They spend their microphone time condemning Republicans fellow Republicans, and not attacking the opposition, which is what we elected them to counter. Exactly right, Doug. Our nation's motto, in God we trust, was not chosen lightly. It reflects a basic recognition that there is a divine authority in the universe to which this nation owes homage. Throughout our history, Americans have put their faith in God, and no one can doubt that we have been blessed for it. The earliest settlers of this land came in search of religious freedom. Landing on a desolate shoreline, they established a spiritual foundation that has served us ever since. It was the hard work of our people, the freedom they enjoyed, and their faith in God that built this country and made it the envy of the world. In all of our great cities and towns, evidence of the faith of our people is found. Houses of worship of every denomination are among the oldest structures. While never willing to bow to a tyrant, our forefathers were always willing to get to their knees before God. When catastrophe threatened, they turned to God for deliverance. When the harvest was bountiful, the first thought was thanksgiving to God. Prayer is today a powerful force in our nation as powerful as it's ever been. We as a nation should never forget this source of strength. And while recognizing that the freedom to choose a godly path is the essence of liberty as a nation, we cannot but hope that more of our citizens would, through prayer, come into a closer relationship with God. Now, therefore, I, Ronald Reagan, President of the United States of America, do hereby proclaim this Thursday... May 7th, 1981, National Day of Prayer. We do a National Day of Prayer the first Thursday of every May. And that's how Ronald Reagan gave it to us in 1981. You could almost, if I were to play a game of reading that and asking you who that sounded like, you wanted to say Ronald Reagan, didn't you? You were saying, is Seth quoting Ronald Reagan? We've trained the ear well here, haven't we? Because it reaches the heart. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth and... Class dismissed.